action. Hey guys, welcome back to Keeping It 99, here with another episode, and I'm here today, joined by a very special guest, Anish Sankurachri. Thank you, Anish, for joining the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. It's an honor. Yeah, so recently uh, in your life, uh, you went uh, on a TED Talk. Actually, you organized a TEDx event. Mm -hmm. Kind of talk me through, like, what that was like, kind of what that experience was. Yeah, it's pretty funny, but we, I started off applying six months ago, and within the first three months, we got six rejections from Ted, and they, they fully just said after the sixth rejection that they were going to ban us, and I did get banned. I couldn't access the Ted website or the Ted portal at all, and I had to reach out to them after that, and I had to send an email to their content team and have a meeting with their content team saying, what am I doing wrong? Why can't I, do it? Why can't I apply again? They said, this is what you're doing wrong. You were applying for an 18 plus license when you're 17. You were applying for a company license when you're not a company yourself. So a lot of things went wrong and eventually we were fined it down to an application that we know would go through. And it went through and luckily since it went through, we were able to organize it starting January and we just had it last, last Sunday, it just happened. It was nice. So what was that kind of like experience like kind of taking that stage and talking to a lot of you know, people that you may or may not know about. Um, what was the topic you talked about again? I did asteroid mining. Okay, asteroid mining. So what was that like, kind of just talking to people about something you're passionate about, being a high school student? It was nice. Um, it was a bit off the rails because every other talk during the event had like some kind of something tied to the theme, like someone did accepting failure as a part of life. Someone also did like how to how to start a business starting as a teenager, how to make an impact. Mine was just completely out there. So it was kind of nerve wracking because I knew I wasn't, I wasn't the fit in. I didn't fit into the entire event, even though I organized it. And, but I've had public speaking experience before and I know how to speak in front of an audience. So that wasn't, that wasn't the hard part. The hard part was staying under time because little that everybody knows, TEDx has a time limit. If you hit 15 minutes, they won't publish your talk. So you had to stay under that time and I had a lot of content to cover. So that was the hardest part. And the second hardest part was we had to get video and audio perfectly working. Luckily we had someone else doing that. So I didn't have to worry about that, but that was something we had to coordinate as well because while I did have to look at the audience for the talk, I also had to occasionally look at the cameras, which was another challenge. And then the overall experience was kind of mixed. I have really liked it because I was finally like, oh my God, this has been six months in the works and we finally got it done. But again, when you're in that moment, you feel a little nervous because you're about to give this talk that's not only going to be seen by the audience of like a hundred people that were there, but almost internationally because it gets posted on the TEDx YouTube channel. So what is that like kind of just thinking about the fact that what you say goes on such a large platform? I mean, TEDx has, I don't know how many subscribers, but a lot. You know, like, how does that kind of sit with you to think that, you know, anyone can just access what you say at any time? Right. It's again, like I said, it's kind of mixed because it's great because I love I love that feeling like I get to spread a message beyond what I think I'm capable of. But it's also very, very daunting because I'm like, okay, now everybody knows who I am and I have to keep up this image of what I do. Like if I do anything wrong, it's immediately going to ruin this image that I've made of myself. Like this TEDx talk, like you said, everybody's going to see it the second they Google my name, it's going to be there. So you have to, you have to be careful with these kind of things. And that's like, it's just a public media appearance that you have to keep. So coming in as a high schooler, you don't really think about how you're viewed in the eyes of the public, but 
after this, I have to start thinking about that saying like, oh my God, now I'm heading to college. I have to be very careful on what I do. So how does that, like, how exactly do you um, kind of hurdle with that? Um, especially since you're so young, like maintaining a, because a public image of that scale, like, is it something that you're going to pursue? Is it something that's kind of like a one-time thing? Like, how kind of are you like, uh, like going through with this? So definitely I'm probably going to try something, something similar again, probably another, uh, TEDx event, or I'm going to try and see if I can get on the main TED event, get invited to one of their talks. But again, that's near impossible because uh, it was so hard to get this license and their TED is very selective on who they give their license to. And I don't know, I, I guess just my annoyance and my constant pestering forced them into giving me a license, but I'm probably going to try something again, do something very similar. It's not going to be a one-time thing. It was nice. It was a nice surge, but um, I'm probably going to try something again in the future where I do some more public speaking because I like public speaking. I used to be really shy when I came into high school, but slowly I've built up my social skills where I can work on that. So how exactly did you build up those social skills, build up those public speaking skills? Like, where did that come from? Uh, mostly, um, I started off, it came from robotics i used to again robotics kids everybody stereotype is like oh these shy little nerds that work on a robot but we have the we have another side of the team where we work on presentation and i didn't get to do that my first few years but later i started practicing because i was practicing for an award called dean's list within the robotics world and um you have to have great presentation skills for that because you have to sell yourself to a panel of judges saying why do i deserve this award and I couldn't go up there in front of this panel of judges and act all shy because then they would know like this kid doesn't even show passion for what he's doing, even though I might have. So I slowly worked on that with one of the mentors on the team and they slowly helped me get better, better through practice and constant repetition. He would just call me in the middle of a robotics competition saying, practice your Dean's List pitch right now in front of me, just so I could get comfortable. And then uh, he guided me all the way down to the interview room and in the interview room I did basically the same Dean's List pitch and luckily I they liked my pitch and they liked who I was and the passion I showed for robotics and I ended up winning the award. Well congratulations Thank on you. winning the award. Thank you. Um, so kind of talk me through more like through obviously you've been doing robotics for all four years in high school. Um, what is that really like? It was a big change because uh, most of my life I've been an athlete. I've been I've been doing competitive swim for almost 12 years. Ever since I ever since I knew ever since I was like four years old, I've been swimming. And coming into high school, my freshman year, I was in varsity swim. But then I realized like I didn't really like it anymore because I've just been doing it for so many years. So I said, let's switch the gears into something I want to try. And I saw the robotics team and I applied. Initially, I was rejected. And I was like, ouch, that sucks. And um, so I was like, maybe it's not for me. But uh, I, knew the in I knew the robotics coach at the time. He was, our, he was my engineering teacher. And uh, I guess he saw something in me, but he gave me a second chance. He let me re-interview with him. And uh, I guess he saw my passion. And he let me join the team my sophomore year. And that was really like where I realized, man, I think I can do this. I think I'll enjoy my time in robotics. So I worked my sophomore year, I was a programmer, but then I realized my junior year that I didn't want to let one position define me. I didn't want to let one thing be my characteristic. I just, I just didn't want to be a programmer for the rest of my life. So I decided to branch out. I went into other departments of the team. I did build for a little bit where I got to work hands-on with the robot and multiple tools to build it. I still did programming since that was my trick of the trade. And then this junior year was where I started building my presentation skills because that's when I was nominated for the award. 
So I was working on all these things parallelly and they slowly helped me build my own character to see who I am really. I'm not just a kid who spends time at home programming or just does his own little hobbies. I like to branch out. That was the most important thing in my opinion. So obviously through these changes in like kind of what you did in robotics and you know versus swim versus you know and all this stuff like these should mirror and they probably did mirror internal changes within you throughout this time period of high school. So kind of like you know, what, what were those changes that you kind of went through um, as an individual? Like what kind of growth opportunities did you go through um, in order to become like who you are today? Oh, definitely. Coming into high school, I was uh, I was a state record holder for swim. So I held, I held a state record in, uh, I think, the 50, 50 breaststroke. And I had this arrogant, I was fully arrogant. I was like basically cocky. I knew, I, I thought I was the, I thought I was the, I thought I was the stuff. I thought I was him. <laughs> Little did I know coming into robotics, I'd be quickly humbled because everybody is very high achieving in robotics. Everybody knows what they're doing. You're not the only one that's that's the best. Everybody, everybody there is the best coming into robotics. That's why it's so hard to get into the team. And um, same thing happened when I got nominated for Dean's List and won. That attitude kind of re-sparked. Basically, when I know I won an award, I feel just like, I feel like him. I feel like I'm the power. I'm on top. But... Um, after my junior year, I got humbled real quick because uh, I was applying for executive positions on the team and unfortunately I didn't get selected. That's when I knew like, okay, so I need, a le- I need a change. Something needs to change. And that's when I started thinking, okay, what if I just let life take the wheel for now? What if I just let it control and just go with the ride? So now every time I do something and it's a big accomplishment, I don't like to blow it up because I know my ego would wants to blow it up even more. I just like to, I just like to let it sink with me. Like the TEDx talk, I, I was proud of it. It was a huge accomplishment in my opinion, but I don't like to let it define me. I like to try new things now. So in theory, I went from this kind of like arrogant athlete to the humble person I am today. And I'm not perfect. I And I know I'm not perfect. Like every time I still do something big, it's uh, it, it kind of kicks my ego for a little bit. It kind of kickstarts it, but I let, I have to simmer it down saying like, hey, yes, you had this great opportunity, but think about other people and don't make them feel bad. So I was like, okay, I'm, I, I try to help more people now. So the TEDx talk, it wasn't just for me. I had to, I brought in some other kids as well who, uh, who was very interested in sharing their ideas. And I said, yo, you guys join in on the event. I'll let you speak. And I gave them the opportunity to succeed as well. That's kind of where I shifted. Instead of being selfish and thinking about myself, now I started thinking about how can I help other people around me? Yeah, and I think um, like a very powerful quote I've heard about humbleness is it's, it's not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Yeah. So kind of like, you know, you know, like how smart you are, you know, how hardworking you are, you know, like, you know, how, I guess, like how good of a person you are, like, you know what your status is, you know where your place is. But instead of thinking about like, oh, how great I am, like, you know, you use that, that status, that place to bring people up to it, right? To almost like kind of like create competition for yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think I've, uh, you know, obviously I'm still very arrogant, but, um, like I think, you know, (laughs) it's gotten better. It's gotten better. It's got a lot better. Uh, and yeah, so I think like I've gone kind of through the same journey of like, you know, realizing that, you know, I might be good at a lot of things, but I'm not good at everything. And I think it's one of the things that intrigues me the most about the podcast is like, I'm really good at talking. I'm, I'm really good at, you know, having these conversations, but all the other stuff, all the back stuff, the editing, the getting people to come on like all this other stuff like the business stuff 
it's not really my strong suit. So, you know, it's a good opportunity for me to grow and to have people come in and help me and for me to help other people kind of, you know, increase in their skills and abilities. So along those lines, uh, you also have a podcast Mm -hmm. called the wired in podcast. Make sure to subscribe, uh, somewhere on the screen. Um, so tell me about like, you know, what was your motivation to start a podcast? Um, yeah, we'll start with that question. What was your motivation to start so, a podcast? Um, first of all, you were you were one of them. You definitely <laughs> one of them. I was like, oh my god, my friend can do it. Why not? Let let me try it. Yeah. Let me give it a try. I had a great opportunity. I was uh, I was at Georgia Tech's um, campus tours one time, and I was walking around, and it was a solo campus tour. A student was taking me around in his class. He was an aerospace student. And I walked into one of the lectures with him, and I just sat down. They didn't question me in there, but they just let me sit there. And the professor was really, really knowledgeable on what she was doing. She knew, like, everything about these aerospace systems and everything. So I met with her after the class ended, and I asked, like, hey, I I really liked the lecture today, and I really enjoyed it. May I have your contact info? She said, yeah, sure. She gave me her business card, everything. Later, I reached out. I'm like, hey, I'm very interested in aerospace and everything. Can you let me know a little bit more? We exchanged a few emails back and forth. Eventually, I realized, oh, snap, she's an astronaut because I Googled her name in the Georgia Tech directory, and it said former NASA astronaut. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) So I had her contact info, and I was like, wow, that's great. So let me reach out to her, and let me just see if I can do an interview with her. I did the interview uh, with her, and it went great in everything, and I realized, okay, so now that I have this, I don't want to keep it to myself because, again, trying to break out of that selfish shell let's see if I can share it with anybody else so I created a channel uh and I and I called it a podcast it's not really a podcast it's just interviews with like (laughs) these people and um and I just released it and I was like you know what more people can benefit from this knowledge than I can I enjoyed the lecture she gave that day but I think other people who are inspiring to be somewhere in her somewhere in that area like the aerospace engineering would benefit from this as well yeah so um, kind of similar to your podcast, your podcast, you bring all these new ideas and kind of inspiring new people. I try to, I'm trying to mimic the same where I bring in people who have, our, who have succeeded and can share their experiences with others. Yeah. And I, I mean, I will say like, it's kind of funny that you filmed first and then thought of the idea of a podcast. Yeah. I think I find that really interesting. Um, and the, the thing about podcasts is like, you know, you see all these big podcasts where people bring on these big guests. And a lot of times they cater their guests towards their audience. And I think for me, it's like, and I guess for you as well, the same is it's, it's more of like, what can I learn from these conversations? Because if you think about it, like I want the people in my audience to be like me, right? Because I want people who are in the same kind of like area of life, who have the same ideas, same goals, same morals, same whatever, because they will benefit the most from it. If I'm benefiting from it, then the people who kind of have the same you know, similar uh, ideas and stuff as me will also benefit the same amount or more from it, you know? So I think that's been kind of one of the driving factors for why I get, you know, a lot of high schoolers on the podcast, a lot of college kids on the podcast, because it's like, what can I learn from my peers and people around me and from people who are, you know, and experts in their fields and whatnot. So I agree with you hundred percent on that point. And that kind of brings like, brings us to another uh, question, which is, you know, like, why, why do you have this drive to kind of take, take what you know and share it to other people? Like, what is the reason for it? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna sound corny here, but it it started in robotics, honestly. So I I know you were on the robotics team. Do you remember yeah. outreach? I do remember yeah. outreach. Yes. So outreach, my junior year, I uh, I just loved it. I loved working with these younger kids, and it would force me to kind of like reinvigorate, like it it, it awoke something in me in which I wanted to help. So um, I would design curriculum, these amazing camps using like the materials we had. Like we recently did a camp where we did model rockets where we had the kids build model rockets and shoot them up in the air, which I thought was amazing. Because again, I just, I think of the activities I like to do and I say maybe these kids will enjoy it as well. It may be hard for them to learn, but they'll, they'll like it. So that's why that kind of helped me shape what I wanted, what I am today in which whatever I have, I try to give it, a, give it away as much as I can to other people. Because I feel like, yes, I benefited from it, like you said, but I feel like other people can benefit from it more. Um, one example from the podcast was after that first episode with, uh, with Dr. Magnus, we recently filmed again and it's not out yet, but I'll give a little sneak peek here. We recently filmed again in which she gave almost like a lot of info about what goes into the NASA astronaut selection process. And I thought that was cool because as a kid, I've always wanted to be an astronaut. But I feel like there are some kids out there who are still trying to search themselves. And I feel like this could benefit them. This could be like, if there's a kid who likes playing with Legos, maybe he could go down a path of engineering because he likes to think analytically and he likes to think critically and likes to put things together. These kind of things, I just, I try to think from the mind of a kid because that's, that's what I enjoy. So I have a younger sister and she's way younger than me. She, we have almost a nine year gap in age. And she's at that time in her life where she's kind of figuring out what she wants to study, what she wants to do. And I can see her interact with different things. I gave her Legos. She didn't like it. But if I give her a paint and an easel, she'll paint something for me. So I realized, okay, so she's more of an artistic type of person. And I realized that the impact of my knowledge on these kids can further help them beyond anything else I can do. So if I just share the knowledge that I have that I think is sounds cool to me these kids can these kids can benefit from that as well yeah and i think that's one of the the biggest pow- like the most powerful thing about competition right. right because you know a lot of people like for example like when it comes to this podcast i always encourage people to start their own podcast right. people are always like you know why would you do that like why would you you know take viewers away from your own podcast but you know you can look at it in, in so many different areas like competition builds builds you way better right right like the reason why, like I think a lot of people, they kind of struggle with the idea of seeing their friends succeed and them not succeeding. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. And it's, for me, it's like, I know at some point in my life, I'm, I have that confidence. At some point in my life, I'm going to be the most successful person that I could possibly be. Right? I, I just have that belief in me. A lot of people think right. it's cocky, but that, that's really no. the belief I have. So yeah. why not try and make everyone around me just as successful? because that will push me to be more successful. Yeah. Like when I saw your podcast, like it, it was, it was, you know, like kind of like competition for me. Like I had to, I knew that I had to ramp it up. Like I knew like eventually, like I had to kind of like step it up and, and uh, like really like increase my game and work way harder. So that's why I think competition is so important, you know, in the same way, kind of like how you, how you are like giving the younger generation, like what you have. I think it is so important that like, you know, you know, that we do that because it creates kind of that, you know, ongoing competition and that ongoing growth and like, you know, what humans are. And it's not like a lot of people have this issue with like their friends succeeding, 
and like them not succeeding. Um, and it's like, like I have that confidence where it's like, I know I'm going to succeed, right? Like I know at some point I will be the most successful person that I could physically be, you know? So it's like, why not help people while I can, you know, why not help people? Even if that puts me in a disadvantage, like why not help people? Because it'll do so much, you know, for me in the future. Right. I completely agree with that point where you, yeah, you mentioned that you knew you were going to be the most successful person you can be. And that's great. You, that self-confidence is completely important. And I can relate to that because um, it's kind of like how I became to who I am today, trying to spread my knowledge. If you remember when I told you, when I came into high school, I was this arrogant athlete and everything. That's because I had no confidence in myself. I had confidence that I was good because I had to show that to like, kind of like, again, back to the public image, you have to show that you're, you're not, you're fine. You're, you're perfectly good as you are. But in reality, I had a lot of confidence issues myself. And over time that kind of built up and then junior year it was really my breaking point to where i knew like oh my god i suck basically like i can't i don't believe in myself or anything i don't like trying new things i don't like taking risks because i i just like to stay in the safe bubble and um that's when i realized oh my god i need to change something i need i needed to see that i need to be the change i want to see and i'm going to bring my uh, fitness journey into this i used to be very overweight uh, at the end of junior year and after like pylon like i'm gonna say l's because that's that's the best term i can use basically a lot of losses i've taken a lot of rejections a lot of hits from junior year and i realized oh my god that's because I, i've just tried to play it safe for too long and eventually it caught up to me and uh i spent my entire summer i cut off every single like form of social media communication I just started working on myself. I started building myself. I started trying to find terms with myself, trying to be like, how can I make myself a better person to make sure I can make other people around me better people? And that's when I uh, had an incredible weight loss journey. I lost a lot of weight and I built, and it built my own self-confidence. It made me feel good. And that's when I said, okay, let's try and take risks now. So now I have this mentality to where I just try, I like to try new things. If it doesn't work out, boo-hoo, let me try something else. And that's why I was so persistent on the TEDx stuff, because that's when I I knew we got rejected six times and I knew I'd been banned. But I'm like, you know what? Let's try again. Let me try again. Let me see what happens. And overall persistence, diligence, all these things came together and we were able to and I was able to get the license. And that that was when I realized, like, oh, my God, if I just if I try to take risks, and I act towards things that I think won't work, it'll happen or I'll make it happen. And that's why. Most people, when you come into high school, I know you know this, most people are like, you need to time manage effectively, you need to do all of this. I, I kind of follow another clock now in which I have goals. Like, it's goal management. How badly do I want something? How badly do I want to get this? Like, um, TEDx. I was like, I really want this. I want to share these ideas, and I want to bring other people in my community up with me. So I said, okay, I will poke and prod at ted as long as i can until i get like officially like a letter from them saying you are banned and you are never allowed to touch a ted product again and um, luckily that persistence helped and we were able to get a license but that's how i see it now in which um we have a show a game show that we run in the robotics world called peachtree live and originally that was one of the goals as well i'm like i want to make a legacy for me in the world of robotics I want to leave into college because in college there's no robotics at all. 
I want to leave high school robotics with a legacy, something that I started and something that continues on with the rest of, with the rest of time in robotics. So I started a game show in robotics. So during competitions, during the breaks, there's a lot of downtime and people get bored. People just go on their phones most of the time. I said, that's not fun. That's not the spirit of robotics. We're here together. We're here as people and we're in the same community. And I said, let's make a game show. So we made a game show and we tested it out last semester. It was great. People, people were playing from their couches at home. People were live from the audience in the venue. It was amazing. So we're going to, and I said, okay, now let's make it better. It's these goals that I set for myself. These micro goals eventually lead to one big goal. So yes, time management is important, but it's also about how badly you want this goal. I really like the term goal management. I think yeah. it's, um, I actually really like it. And I start, start to use that on the podcast. Sorry, <laughs> I'm going to steal that storm. That's good. Um, but I agree hundred percent. I think a lot of times you think about, you know, how do I manage my time? How do I set a time, this amount of time to study, this amount of time to work out, this whatever, where, you know, maybe it should be more goal oriented where it's like, because I, I think goals are more, are easier, easier to grasp than time. Yeah. Right. A lot of times you're like, oh, this only take me 30 minutes and then two hours and you're like, yeah. oh, this is going to take a while, you know, or the opposite. So. I agree with you. I think, you know, very goal oriented because if you really li- like, if you ever really sit down and write every single thing you have to do and just cross them out as you go, it's so satisfying. Yeah, 100%. And it's also like, it, it's just, you get more done. Mm-hmm. You just get more done, uh, writing down goals. Um, yeah, I agree hundred percent. And I think that kind of leads to like, you know, obviously now we're both going into college. Um, we've been, we've been in the same class for what, four years now. Yeah. So the same, at least two classes, four mm-hmm. years. So we've gotten to know each other pretty well. And, you know, part of the move into college is finding new people. Yeah. So, you know, obviously you've went from the shy kid to this not so shy kid. Um, how do you kind of see yourself changing in the next four years? So definitely college is going to be a completely new experience because everybody's kind of falling into the same boat in which new school trying to make new friends and everything. So I, I just have to see myself as an adaptable person. I have to see like, I have to see myself as a people, I have to see myself as a person people are comfortable with. So I can't be arrogant at all. I can't, that won't fly. Nobody likes that. And, but I, but I have to have confidence in myself as well. I have to know like I can do things. I can do things that uh, other people may struggle in, but I can do them and I can help them. Like um, one big thing is programming. I know I'm good at programming and maybe that might help me get a couple friends in college. That might be a conversation starter. Let's say we're taking a computer science class or some, something algorithms based together. I might help, I might help someone out who's having struggles. It's just these small skills that I have are all going to add together to help me kind of build a social, social part of myself as well. Yeah. I've had a small tightly knit group of friends for the past four years, but when you go into college, you have to branch out. One thing that's important to me is connections. Connections can get you anywhere. If you know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, <laughs> you can get a lot of places. Like uh, I'll use the example, some of my internships in high school. I knew a guy who knew a guy who worked at the company. I said, yo, can you give me a referral or can you at least tell me, uh, can you at least help me find out who does these internships hiring? And that's how I was able to get them. It's these connections that are that are important. and college it's going to ramp up as well because that's when you get really into the professional field high school they're kind of preparing you for like the real world but college is the real world yeah everybody's an adult in college everybody knows that they have responsibilities bills 
taxes, fun stuff. And we know we have to take that into reality. So you have to keep a balance with your social life, your educational life, but also, uh, for lack of a better term, your um, your work life, because you know that's that's where we're eventually headed. And yeah. back to what I, back to the goals topic, you you're right. Goals, thinking more goal goal oriented is better. Um, and it kind of ties into time management as well, in which. Um, if you have a goal, like let's say I want an A on this math test, I will do anything I can and I'll make as much time as I can to know I have to study for this math test so I can get an A. Like I, I will make time. If you want it that badly, you will make time yeah. for it to happen. And that's another thing that's going to be very important in college is what are your main goals? What do you want to leave college with? Yeah, a diploma would be great. It would be awesome. You come out with a degree. But what what other things you want to leave college with? You want to leave college like we had a talk in engineering a couple of days ago with Mr. Ben about like work experience. Do you want to leave college with work experience so you look better when you get hired by a company coming out of college? All these kind of micro things factor into the main college experience. Yeah, and I agree about like the part about like kind of like legacy for lack of a better term, yeah. like um, like kind of like what do you want to leave college with? And I think, I mean, that stuff is subject to change. I mean, if you told me in freshman year that I would have a podcast, I, th I think yeah. you're crazy. Yeah. I think you're out of your mind. Like, like, it, it, like if I wasn't going to be a D1 soccer player, like, <laughs> I was so bad. But if I wasn't going to be a D1 soccer player, like, what was I going to be? You know, if I wasn't just going to, you know, go to school, like, and just do school and sports, like, what else would I do with yeah. my life, you know? And obviously now that's changed a lot. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten to this place. So I think... Another part of it is being adaptable, having that adaptability. Yeah. And I think, um, I, you know, the, they say the, uh, the number one, what's it, the number one, uh, the number one skill is availability. Mm -hmm. uh, availability and then adaptability. Yeah. So your ability to show up on time, to be there at places, like the, your ability to be available and your, avail and your, uh, your ability to be available and your ability to adapt to certain yeah. situations. Um, and I, I think that's, really important you know to be able to kind of not like change who you are but like shift kind of your paradigm based on the situation that you're in mm -hmm. uh, i think a lot of people they kind of get stuck in who they are or yeah. who they think they are and they forget that they're human beings and that they can change they can kind of adapt and a lot of people get stuck on one goal which you know sometimes you're going to fail yeah. and I, I think when you fail like it's not about how many times you fail how many times you get up whatever but when you fail, like realize what you did wrong and then try to fix that and go for it again. And if you can't get it again and you can't get it again, 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 and you realize like, man, this is just not for me. Mm -hmm. Try something else. Oh yeah. You know, and, cause you'll never know what is going to be kind of like your thing. hundred percent. Cause something I want to talk about is, uh, in high school, you, you kind of, everybody kind of expects you to be something like mm -hmm. when you hear that you're in the STEM program, everybody kind of expects you to be smart, right? Yeah. They're like, oh my God, this kid made it into STEM. This kid's in the higher <laughs> level classes. He should be smart. But, and that kind of affects you as well. Cause the second you see like a bad grade or something, you're like, oh my God, what happened? Well, I mean, I've, I've had a few of those. So yeah. I'm kind of used to it. Yeah. And it, it was, it was a hit. It was a big hit. And I realized like, oh my God, I can't, I can't keep this image up forever. I just can't. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't work out with me. So yeah. the, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's why this year, if you know, like this year, I've just I've toned down on classes. Like I know I take classes now that I'm confident I can succeed in. Yeah. Like uh, a lot of it. Yeah, now. that was yeah, that was a big thing for me. Junior, sophomore, junior year was taking classes that, like AP U.S. history. Like I'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. do well in that class. Like, I I, I like history. Yeah. But I don't like writing. Mm-hmm. I don't like American history. <laughs> like why would I take? Yeah, but the, yeah. So I agree with you. Like you know, like take classes like you're gonna be successful yeah. in. Don't overload yourself. And I think, yeah. um, I feel bad for the people who read. We talked about this in physics the other day. I feel bad for people who read like the eighth grade STEM essays mm-hmm. and have to pick. Like think about this: you have to read eighth graders' essays and use eighth grader grades yeah. to determine whether this kid is fit for the STEM academy that lasts four years. Yeah. Like think about freshman yeah. us versus now us like, oh yeah it's completely different 100 percent. um like man like the amount of dude yeah. i struggled sophomore year like big oh yeah time. covid was i mean covid was one. tough yeah but you never know i mean there's so many kids that are way more fit for the sim academy that got rejected hmm. than there are kids in the sim academy who should be in it oh we've seen that 100 I mean, percent. yeah we've, and, seen, and we've seen kids drop out of the sim academy who are more um who like should still be in it compared to and some people who should have dropped out by now. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it, it's weird. I, I have my thoughts on, you know, the fact that it's a four year membership and you can't get out of it and you can't go into it. I think, you know, if you've taken engineering courses that are not STEM and you're, you show like you're good enough in it proficiency in general, you should be able to join it later on. Yeah. But I understand the point, whatever. I mean, that's a completely yeah. different topic. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, being in the STEM Academy, we can talk about this for a little bit, like, yeah. you know, kind of like what's, you know, your experience been in the STEM Academy? Like I said, when you're in the STEM Academy, you're put at a standard, like yeah, yeah, everybody, you know, like if they hear you're in the STEM Academy, like, oh my God, that kid's smart. Oh, well, <laughs> 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 or the, the, that kid's actually, the, no way that he's in the STEM Academy. Yeah. Yeah. So like you, you're put at a standard immediately, yeah. like compare like. They even say it when they bring you into the STEM orientation. They're like, our STEM mm. kids are so much smarter than the other engineering kids oh, here. Jesus Christ. And I'm like, ah, maybe want to rethink that one. I mean, I mean, I remember in eighth grade, I remember this one graph that I was shown. Yeah. Which was the SATs. Oh, yeah. I of, remember that. Of AMS, Advanced Math Science Pathway, Engineering, yeah. Biomed, the rest of the school. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say what the order was. I, th- I think I just showed the order. Yeah. Um, but like you go into, you go into high school and you're like, man, like I got to live up to this standard. Exactly. I got to live up to this standard. 100%. And it's like, man, it's so hard. It's so hard because like if Walton had class ranks, mm-hmm. I would not be in the top 150. Oh, like I would not be in the top 150. I had to like, you, you have to struggle basically. Cause yeah. like you have to, you, keep you have up to kill standard. yourself. Yeah. To be at 150. And, it, like, and it hurt. It, it, it's I, crazy. I couldn't keep up with it. Like, yeah. and that's when I realized my junior year, I just can't keep up. Yeah. And it's not, you know, there's a lot of other things. I think it's more important that you take the opportunities that you can to better yourself as a person mm-hmm. over just killing yourself for classes. I, I mean, there's so many kids I know that they're four, six, four, sevens that are just miserable. They're, they're miserable and they're just not fun people to be around. 100%. Right. Because all that's, not, that, they crafted their identity around exactly. it. They've been like, I'm that four, seven student. And I'm better than you because I have a higher GPA. And I'm like, I can't relate to you at all, man. I, uh, <laughs> it's just they, they've made it their identity. Yeah. And I, like I said before, I don't like letting one thing define who I am. And like I just when I when someone hears of me, they it needs to be different results. Like mm-hmm. when they hear me, let's say one kid knows me from swimming, another kid knows me from robotics. 
another kid knows me from TEDx. These kids meet up. I'm, I'm completely different people in their eyes because they're like, oh my God, it may be the same Anish, but he, he does so much. I yeah. just don't like letting one thing define me. Yeah, grades were important. Like they're, they are important because they're needed for colleges. Colleges base their decisions off of grades, which is one big thing. But in, in my personal opinion, something that helps you grow in yourself, like new skills are what's important. Yeah, and I think those things will naturally grow your grades. 100%. Right, like something I say always on this podcast, I, I know you're not Christian, but, um, like developing a relationship with God does so much more for you than like people realize. Oh no, right? like Hinduism follows the same thing. We, exactly. we, we have yeah. a strong connection with exactly. God. We follow that same thing. Exactly, like in any religion, any worldview, whatever, mm-hmm. like having a strong connection with God, whatever your God is, it's so important because you learn so much about yourself. You learn so much about humanity. And it just it kind of gives you a sense of peace where it's like, I can put my trust in something that I can't understand. Right. Right. If I could put my trust in something I understand or I could create, that's a scary life to live. Yeah. Because now you're responsible for everything. Yeah. Right. Whereas if I'm like, you know what? I can't like, when I submit my college essay, I have no clue who's going to read it. Mm-hmm. You know, I wrote about a very Christian subject. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's going to read it. Yeah. Some dude who just hates Christians can <laughs> read that and be like, see Literally later. a coin flip. Yeah. Exactly. So, when you put your trust in things that you can't, you can't control, it's like, God, you know, it's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. It's all in your hands now. Yeah. It's so powerful. And I think as we move in a, towards a more secular society, um, the biggest thing we lose out on is kind of that. And this is why you, this is kind of controversial, but it's part of the reason why you see mental illnesses spike up mm-hmm. because people put themselves like, oh, I'm, and that's my fault, man. That's, I did that. I'm not good enough. I'm this, I'm this, 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 that, 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 whatever. And it's like, you're perfectly fine. There's just some stuff that you can't control. And a lot of people fall into that trap of like kind of pushing themselves down and stuff. So, and that goes back to that self-confidence thing and real self-confidence can only be achieved with a relationship um, with God. In my personal opinion. No, I completely hundred percent agree that that's really how I help better myself during that junior year summer is that I just, I cut out everything. I just, yeah. I knew social media was my biggest killer. Cause I was like, especially since I was overweight, I would go through social media, scroll through and I'd see like all these guys with like six packs and everything. I'm like, Oh my God, I look terrible compared to these guys. And I was like, it's, it was slowly eating me from the inside. Mm-hmm. It's destroying my own image of myself to the point where I completely hated myself. I was like, oh my God, I'm this slob. I just, I don't do anything new. And I lost a lot of like personal relationship relations from that. Um, I lost a couple friends and I lost a very significant person in my life. And it, it just, it was tough. And that's when I realized like, okay, I have to, I can't put my faith in like, in other, like in just in something I understand, like social media. I was like, maybe, maybe it's going to help me. Maybe it helps me connect with people. That's, that's the lure they bring you in with. They're yeah. like, oh, it helps you connect with your friends. No, in reality, it, it eats you from the inside because you're, you're connected to a whole world now. You can see what everybody's doing. Mm-hmm. I look at like a celebrity's Instagram page. I can see where they ate dinner last night. <laughs> it's that bad. It's just like, yeah, it's great for connectivity, but it also destroys you because you're like, they're, they're living the perfect life. Why can't I live that? Yeah. Why can't I have that? And that's why I just, I said, okay, I'm going to reconnect. I need to reconnect myself spiritually to the point where I believe in, I need to believe in myself, but I need to believe in God as well. Yeah. And I, th- you know, I, I've had a podcast about this very early. I think this is like 
ninth or tenth episode. Like <laughs> this is like back in like May. Oh yeah. Um, last May, um, where I had a podcast about like social media and the human connection. Mm -hmm. If you want to go watch it, I don't know how good it is. I kind of forgot about it, but it's up there. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's so interesting to see the effects that social media can have on people. You know, like how many times do you just you know walk like if you're you know walking out on the street downtown Atlanta, whatever Avalon, whatever. How many times random people like actually say hi to you or like wave or whatever? It's like everyone is in their own little bubble. Mm -hmm. And something I did one time, um, still haven't posted this, but I did street interviews in France. <laughs> um, very weird in Paris. I'm excited. Um, I, I I still have it. I mean, I recorded it in November, uh, like over Thanksgiving break. I just again I hate editing, so uh, <laughs> I haven't edited. I it might it, it'll probably come out. Um, when I feel like editing it um, at some point maybe it'll just be like if I miss a week just kind of <laughs> little filler episode but like it was so it was so hard one of the parts of that episode is so hard to get people to be like hey can I talk to you two minutes you have two minutes to spare yeah. so we're not a quick interview yeah. and these people are just like no 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 yeah. I have work I have work yeah and it's like <laughs> okay you know and it's and a lot of it every single person's got airpods in on their, walking, looking down at their, like, it's so bad. It's like, we never sit back and think about it. It's just so normalized. Mm -hmm. um, and it goes back to the self-confidence. goes back to being a public speaker, like, you know, all full circle. Cause you know, that's what yeah. I do best on this podcast. Um, <laughs> we like the running and it's, around. Dude, it's the only thing I'm good at. In life, honestly. <laughs> no, no, uh, no. I'm you got, playing, a, you got a lot of skills. I'm playing. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's very important to connect with people because it you know makes you a better person. You're able to grow be a better public speaker if you care about that um you can have a tedx event if you care about that uh it's very just, hard careful <laughs> and it just helps you become a better person so yeah any last thoughts yeah i completely agree i i can't say anything else it's just if you my main takeaway that i want everybody else to have is goal goal management yeah. i think that's a big one that's a good today, one it? goal management if you can manage your goals effectively, you will literally like do anything you can to get them done. You'll make time. Time yeah. management is important, but goal management is, is where it's at. Because it's nice to just clear everything out when you're done. Mm -hmm. Like TEDx, I had like 16 tabs open every day because I had to check all these licensing requirements and I had to make sure I cross-references these resources so we could, we could send in our application without having to be rejected. After we got the license, it was such a relief to just close all these tabs out. It may seem small, but it's a big victory in my book because it was this nice, it was this huge goal we were going, it was, I was going towards. So, uh, when's the next TEDx event? I'll give you a hint, probably within the next year. Okay. Am I going to be invited to speak? Maybe. I'm playing, I'm playing. <laughs> hey, if you're down for it. I am most, you know I'm down to talk. All okay. All the time. All right. When do I not talk? All right. This is the biggest complaint I have, <laughs> Mr. Benton's Mr. Benton, yeah, he harps on you. You think he's going to You think if we tell him to watch this, he'll watch it? Maybe. Honestly, yeah. Here. Well, shout out Mr. Benton if you're watching it. <laughs> here's, here's what we'll do. We'll have a, I have a genius idea. When my TEDx talk gets released, we'll send him, we'll, we'll send him an email of both. Just this. Or, 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 hear this one out. We log on to his computer during class. And play it. And pull it up. Oh, oh wait, no, YouTube is blocked on school. No, no, not for teachers. Oh, it's not? Mm -mm. It's good to know. How do you think he plays his music all the time? <laughs> oh, yeah. Good yeah. point. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Anish, for coming on the podcast. If you like this, make sure to like, comment, subscribe. Subscribe to Anish's podcast. Um, if his TED Talk is out by now, 
watch it. I actually it won't be this coming out tomorrow. Okay. Um, My it'll be out by the end of this week. End of this week. Yeah. Hopefully. So if you're watching this on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, 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 not like not like workday week, like week week, like Sunday. Okay, so if you're watching this on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day it comes out, it's down in the description. If you want to come back to it, that's a free view for me. You can also go come back and click down to it. Hey, support um, this man. He's yeah, a great dude. He's working, uh, on, he's working hard. I've seen yeah, him. Thank <laughs> you, man. Uh, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share so we can get a podcast studio and hit 500 subscribers. And thank you, Anish, for coming on to the podcast. Oh. See you next week. Appreciate the invite.